fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pyle We are thrilled to welcome on for the first time Ted Wynn at FB underscore film analysis. Uh, Ted's an NFL staff writer over at The Athletic and is perhaps the best in the game at breaking down film and all the X's and O's of football in a really comprehensive yet uh, comprehensible way. I just always have loved his stuff, so I'm beyond thrilled to have him on. He's been aided by his time as a former football coach and researcher, which he uses to analyze football teams, strategies, personnel, and draft prospects. Ted, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? No problem. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for the kind words. I think you hyped me up a little too much, but uh, <laughs> yeah, glad to get going. Oh, man, no, it's, it's the truth. I just love whether it's the YouTube breakdowns or your athletic articles, especially how you chunk it up. It's just so comprehensible, but so deep at the th- same time. So that's it's just it's awesome. So I really, really appreciate it. I'm excited to pick your brain today. We're going to learn a little bit about what you do, how you do it, but also dive into Trey Lance, Henry Ruggs, Julio Jones and Sam Donald. Some great articles you've done over at The Athletic. I encourage anybody who has not read Ted's stuff over there, especially if you don't have an athletic subscription, go and check it out. It's the best coverage, especially of all football training camp. It's fantastic. So make sure you guys check that out. And if you're just catching this on YouTube or Facebook and you like what you hear, consider giving this a thumbs up. It'd be so appreciated. Help us reach more people and consider subscribing and hitting that bell so you know when we're going live and we can answer all your questions when we do so. All righty, Ted. Well, let's dive in really quick before we get into the specific players and learn a little bit about you. Uh, you know, uh, for the few listeners on here that might not know you, what's your kind of quick bio? What do you do? When did you get started? You know, what's your journey kind of been in this industry? Yeah, well, uh, I'll start all the way from the beginning. I played um, I played a little quarterback in, in high school in a, in, a, in a triple option offense, which meant we, we passed the ball like four times a game. Uh, I was basically another running back, but, you know, I, I fell in love with the triple option. Uh, I had have a good knowledge of blocking angles and blocking schemes and, and just learning option football. And, you know, it, it was an old school type of option, but, you know, little did I know that, you know, the whole football world would be option obsessed yeah. uh, in the later years, but just in a different form, you know, from the spread uh, from zone reads to RPOs and that kind of deal. And, and it all kind of translates together. Uh, but but after I played, you know, I knew I wasn't good enough to play college or anything. And my high school coach asked me to come back and coach some football. So I did that. I fell in love with coaching. Um, I, I did that for a long time. I picked a lot, of, you know, picked the brains of a lot of uh, smart coaches from, you know, all D1 programs to really good high school programs and just kind of built my football knowledge base that way. And I was a teacher for a while. Um, and, you know, whilst teaching, I was coaching football and I just started a blog just for fun, uh, just a blog about the Raiders. Um, and, you know, it was mostly for my friends, but it, it kind of blew up. And um, one thing led to another. And believe it or not, actually, I had stomach cancer and I had to get my stomach removed. So I don't have a stomach, believe it or not, but I'm totally healthy now. Uh, but that experience has kind of uh, showed me life is too short and I want to do something we're passionate about. So I quit my job uh, teaching. I love coaching. I just didn't love the teaching aspect of it. 
Uh, so I, I quit teaching. I went full head, you know, went full full into sports journalism, had a, a starving artist phase for a couple of years. Uh, then I got picked up by The Athletic and it's been a dream come true ever since. That's amazing, man. I got to ask you, because I'm actually very similar path to, to you right now. I'm a teacher. I, I love the summers for fantasy football wise because I have them off and I can do this full time. But during the fall, I'm doing it. What subject did you teach when you were in the classroom? I did PE and, you know, oh, nice. it's just kind of a, a natural, you know, like if you're a football coach, you're a PE teacher, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so you don't have like a ton of papers to grade after, um, after school. So you get straight to um, coaching. So I did that for a while. And it's just like, you know, kids are just not as active as they were before. So it was almost like pulling teeth, trying to get them to run. And I just felt like I was babysitting too much, which is why I didn't really like the teaching aspect of it. Yeah, I can I can feel that and certainly sympathize on, on many levels, too. And hopefully, I you know, you're kind of motivating me here. Maybe I'll have to take that leap myself and and go full time with the blog as it's growing here. I love it. Uh, well, I know, you know, what you've kind of made your name on is your film watching and the way you break it down, as I said at the top, I think is some of, if not the best in the industry. Uh, what are some tips, tools, techniques you've kind of picked up uh, and things you're looking for as you watch film? Um, I, I think it's just experience you know as you watch film and you well I, I think it's good to have a good knowledge base of scheme uh so you, you know what you're looking at and, and players make decisions uh within the scheme so you know if if you want to scout you have to know you know the, the basics of scheme at least so you have an idea of what you're looking at and why they're doing the things they're doing and once you're comfortable with that then you can uh kind of just isolate what these players, you know, how these players are playing or, or their skills and traits that you're looking for. Um, and, and it just makes a little bit more sense and the picture is a little more um, clear for you. So, you know, I, I would definitely suggest if you uh, don't have a good grasp on basic schemes, you know, just inside zone, outside zone, power, uh, just some simple pass concepts and, you know, five-step drops, seven-step drops and what the quarterback's looking for here and there. Uh, I would definitely suggest, you know, learning those things and uh, you could you could do do that by picking up a book uh, there's plenty of good coaching material out there uh, stuff that's meant for high school coaches that you can just buy and, and, and learn for yourself awesome yeah I know and it's weird because in fantasy there's like a big movement that schemes don't really matter and I just don't get why people say that because obviously you when you're trying to project how these players are going to do you look at their skill sets and then you think how is this coach going to use this player. Even if, you know, the talent can sometimes supersede the scheme, I still think uh, you got to be studying that. Now, do you typically use like all 22 if and when we have access to it ever? Uh, or what, what's some areas you or tools you kind of use when you're doing the film watching? Yeah, I, I definitely try to go for the all 22 and hopefully it comes back on NFL yeah. game pass. College, college all 22 could be a little trickier, but the, you know, there, there are ways to get it when, um, if you're, you're connected and, you know, if you talk to some people, uh, but yeah, all 22 is, is the way to do it, especially if you're trying to evaluate secondary or um, quarterbacks, you have to be able to see the full picture. Love it. Yeah. Well, let's dive into some of your recent film breakdowns uh, specifically for fantasy owners and what they can kind of take away. Uh, and we'll start with Trey Lance. I know you you've done, as you said, you started your blog with the Raiders and I know you do a lot of your work out there on the West coast and you've been covering the 49ers pretty hard here. And I love it. Because uh, Trey Lance, he brings so much to the table. I'm so intrigued by what he might be able to do in this Kyle Shanahan offense. So I've been loving your pieces on him. Why don't we start with Trey as the talent? 
uh, before we think about how he's going to be used and how he fits everything. You know, did the film you watch on his college, is that kind of translating? I know you were out in camp recently, too, to what you see in person. And, and what kind of player do you think the 49ers are getting? Yeah, I think with Trey, you start with the the sheer athletic ability. I mean, he's 6'4", 230 pounds. He can move. Uh, he's dangerous in the option game. And the, the ball just flies out of his hand. He has explosive, explosive arm. Um, and I just love the way that he can snap his lower body to the throws. You can see him going through his progressions. You can see him uh, trying to exa- exhaust his progressions. Uh, the time from when he makes a decision to when the ball comes out of his hand is very short, and I think that's an important trait you look for uh, in quarterbacks, and I think that's one of the reasons why Kyle Shanahan liked him a lot is his, his ability to just quickly go from read to read. Um, and, yeah, I, I think as, as far as Lance, you know, I don't think he's going to be the week one starter. I, I, I do believe Shanahan when they say that they, they believe in Jimmy Garoppolo and they want him to, to start this year, but I do think that we will see a lot of trade Lance in, in certain packages um, and, and as we progress in the season, we'll see more and more of him. And if Jimmy Garoppolo does falter throughout the season, I think the bye week is a good time where, you know, Lance might be the guy to take over um, during that time. Ooh, I would love to see it. That would be fantastic because as soon as he steps on the field, there's a saying in fantasy football, it's called the Konami code with like rushing quarterbacks. And it seems to me like he could be the, the great next one, like similar to Lamar Jackson levels, even potentially with what he brings to the table. Uh, so you, you mentioned the quick strike. That's part of the reason maybe Shanahan liked him makes sense. It's a, an offense that loves to get it out quick. Let the playmakers do a lot of damage. What are some other ways or reasons you expected them to draft him and ways you expect him to be used in this offense, uh, whether it's being sprinkled in, like you mentioned, or especially when he takes over as the full-time starter? Yeah, I, I think Early on, we're going to see him just run a ton of option plays. We're going to see, you know, zone reads. We're going to see – but the thing with him is he he's more of a north and south runner than um, some of, you know, some of the option quarterbacks you see are, are extremely explosive and fast and they have that horizontal speed. So they're running zone read where if they keep the ball, they're running towards the sideline and, and using that speed to um, outflank defenders. But uh, with Trey Lance, you know, he, he's a big, big kid. You know, he could run north and south. He could – uh, lower shoulder, break some tackles. So you're going to see some of those gap scheme type of options where he he can get vertical right away. Um, and I think early on, you're going to see mostly just option plays. And and when the defense starts loading up, you're going to see him take some shots. Uh, but as he progresses and gets more comfortable within the regular offense, you know, you might see him in there for a, a driver to run, you know, kind of a hybrid of the, reg- the, uh, the Niners regular offense with this kind of spread option attack. Awesome. Yeah. And do you think it'll kind of mimic how they used RG3? You know, when Shanahan was back with Washington, I know in your breakdown, you had a lot of pictures and clips uh, of that offense. Is that what you're kind of projecting? Do you think it could be even different in in certain ways, given Trey's skill set? Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, similar formations, similar plays, especially out of the pistol. uh, Because with the pistol, you get the best world where you can run the wide zone and you can run the option. Uh, but like I said, I, I think Trey Lance is more of a north to south runner than uh, RG3 was. So uh, you're going to see some some of those gap scheme, scheme runs where he can get vertical and, and kind of punish defenses with his size. Yeah, I love it. And is there a particular player that you think would benefit, whether it's Ayuk or, uh, or Debo or Kittle? Or do you think they'll benefit or do you think they might kind of regress a little bit because there will be less passing volume if and when uh, Trey Lance takes over? Um, 
you know, I, I think maybe Debo will benefit from it because there's going to be just different ways for Debo to get the ball when you're running all mm. those type of concepts, you know, where he can be a, a running back in a spread. He can be a, a pitch option type of guy, um, you know, more RPOs to get him the ball quickly. Um, and, and if a guy does suffer, it, it might be Ayuk, but, you know, he also might be, he, he might get more uh, deep passes. He might get more, yeah. you know, air yards because uh, Lance has a much bigger arm than Garoppolo. So I, I don't know if anybody will suffer, but I mean, it, it might be Ayuk just because, yeah, the, the passing volume might be lower, so he might get less opportunities. But when he does, it might be um, more explosive opportunities. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm picturing too. So I can't wait. Hopefully it's sooner than later just because I, I mean, I, like Garoppolo and their offense is always fun to watch. I just love the zone blocking scheme. It's gorgeous, but I just cannot wait to see what this kid does. The way you described the way the ball comes out of his hands, a lot of reporters saying that sounds like Mahomes almost the way it just flies out and the way he can do it on the move and different things. So stoked for him. The, the other player, so a few more players I wanted to cover. You recently broke down Henry Ruggs, who obviously was the first rookie off the board last year ahead of CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy. Justin Jefferson, but he finished just eighth amongst rookies in receiving yards with only 452 yards. And as you mentioned in your breakdown, he never caught more than three balls in a game. He surpassed hundred yards only once. And he was held to eight yards or less in five of his 13 starts. So really just did not seem to be a high impact player for the majority of the year. What kind of went wrong with this guy? Um, I think, you know, when they drafted him, they had a sense or they, they should have had a sense that this was a developmental receiver that, uh, you know, he, there, there was a lot of good to his game. Um, and I'm not saying he was, he's totally raw, like some of the speed guys that we saw, but he, he's definitely, he was more raw than, you know, guys like CeeDee Lamb and, and Jerry Judy, certainly Justin Jefferson, um, as far as his route running ability and just his size. So uh, those are two things that needed, you know, big time improvements as he is entering um, the NFL. Uh, you can see that lack of strength really play out last year against the press mm -hmm. uh, when he was being rerouted or he's being, you know, slowed down at the line of scrimmage, which negated that 4-2 speed. Uh, his route running wasn't all there. Um, you know, the limited time in an offseason really affected his chemistry with Carr. There were times where he got open and, and Carr might not have trusted him and let it rip like he would with the guy like Nelson Aguilar, who he developed a really good chemistry with or he just missed him uh, because the timing just wasn't there. Uh, so th those were all issues that uh, Ruggs had to uh, suffer through his, his rookie season. And reportedly this year, he's added some size. Um, and he, it sounds like he's building the rapport with Carr uh, now. And, and as far as usage, you know, last year he was just used to clear out the field, um, run deep routes and clear out the field, take the top off the defense. And he did that. There was a lot of attention uh, put on him which opened up things for Darren Waller and, you know, opened up things for the run game and opened things underneath. Uh, but this year, you know, there is no Nelson Aguilar anymore. So maybe some of those deep targets go to him. Uh, maybe they stop using just as a decoy and start game planning ways to get him open. Yeah, absolutely. Do you kind of expect him to take that step with the added muscle? Whatnot? Obviously it's tricky until we start seeing action, seeing how it really looks. But do you think there's a much more complete receiver there? Or do you think it's always going to kind of be this deep ball, whether he gets a deep shot or not? It might just be more of a decoy. Do you think he can take his game to a different level, though? I do. I think he's going to have a much better season this season, uh, especially with the added weight. And I think with with the quarterback like Derek Carr, trust is such an important thing. 
for him to, to just uncork it and, and take those chances with you. Uh, and it sounds like he is developing that with Carr. So I think he's going to have a much better season. Unfortunately, he's going to be pitted up against, you know, guys like CeeDee Lamb and, and Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's going to reach that level of productivity, but I do believe that he'll have a much better season and, you know, maybe challenge for 800 to 1,000 yards this year. That'd be pretty nice, especially given he falls to around 10, 12 or so in fantasy drafts right now. Be a, a real value at that point if he takes uh, takes the next step. And I think it's a great bet uh, given the types of players you're getting at that point. You know, the athleticism he brings to the table at 4-2 speed seems to be like a solid shot. Uh, on the opposite end of the age spectrum is Julio Jones. And earlier this offseason, the Titans snared him for just a second rounder and some change. Uh, and obviously, anytime you land a player who has the most receiving yards per game in NFL history, that's going to change the complexion of your offense and cause some seismic shifts into how they're going to use players and, and what the like kind of overall outlook's going to be. So with Jones himself, uh, one, when you were watching him last year, do you think I know he missed some time, but on the games you saw, do you think he still kind of has it at age 32? And what do you think he's going to be bringing to this Titans team? Yeah, I, I mean, I, he, I don't know if he lost any speed, maybe half a step or so, but when I watch Julio Jones, he, he's explosive. Uh, he's such a violent runner, such yeah. a violent route runner. Um, and he, he just creates so much separation because of um, how he explodes out the blocks and how he's able to cut on a dime and not lose any speed. So uh, if, if, you know, maybe he lost half a step, but I, I don't see it even at his age. He still looks like an elite athlete to me. And he, just bringing that number one receiving ability to pair with uh, a, a guy like, uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. AJ uh, Brown. <laughs> yeah, pair, pair with a guy like AJ Brown, who's a bona fide number one himself is yeah. just going to be a, a really interesting pairing for the Titans. I know I, it's got to be the best duo in the NFL right now. And I, I'm just so intrigued to see how they deploy him. What's kind of your predictions. They've been obviously one of the more run heavy teams the last couple of seasons with Derrick Henry. Do you think they evolve that with Julio on the roster? Uh, you know, how do you think him and AJ Brown fits is Julio the number one is AJ Brown. Like how, how does that marriage kind of work with those two? Yeah, I'm not sure if, you know, you can call a guy the, the number one with that much talent on the team, especially with the resume that um, Julio Jones has. Um, right. I think the offense will have to be a little more um, pass happy. I don't think there's going to be a ton, but I think they will pass the ball more because why wouldn't you with yeah. that receiving talent? And, and additionally, they were um, a, a big 12, 13 personnel team uh, when they had um, – uh, blanking on his, his name too, the Titans tight end that went to the Patriots. Oh, is it uh, Janu? Janu Smith? Yeah. yeah when I had, when I had Janu Smith, they were you know were one of the the heavier two three tight end uh, types of teams uh, with Ferkshire. Uh, but what losing him and then gaining uh, Jones, I think they're going to be more of eleven personnel team. They'll use less of those heavy tight end uh, personnel packages. And, you know, with using more 11, I, I think naturally you'll see a little bit more passing uh, to just take advantage of the, uh, the talent on the team. And, you know, you're just not going to be able to have that kind of versatile uh, personnel package that you did have with that uh, with the, the tight ends that they, they used to have. So their most dynamic personnel package now is the 11 personnel instead of 12 mm -hmm. or 13. Yeah, that makes total sense. Now, 
Do you think that will end up causing any changes to the run game? Because obviously with two tight ends, it seems a little bit more, you know, blocking friendly and all that good stuff. How do you see this move kind of impacting Derrick Henry uh, and the run game? Do you think he decreases his volume if they get a little bit more pass happy? Uh, do you think it helps him in the sense that it could draw some attention away? How, how do you see that kind of shaking out? Yeah, I think the volume will go down a little bit. And I think, you know, as any back gets older, you want to be cognizant of the volume of carries you give give that back. Um, so I, I think it will affect Derrick Henry. I don't think it's going to be, you know, affect him dramatically, but uh, I definitely think uh, his usage will probably go down um, a little bit. And as far as, you know, the, the running running game is affected, I think, there are different ways that you can create advantage running the ball with 11 personnel, like using more fly jet motion, which I, I think they will do uh, with the type of uh, personnel they have now. Awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, the, my only real question with this offense isn't really in the players. It's at the coordinator level because Arthur Smith's been so great these last couple seasons, especially in the red zone. Now comes in Todd Downing. And I know if you're a Raiders fan, you have some experience with watching him and his offenses before, and it wasn't very pretty in his first go around to put it kindly. Should we be worried as fantasy owners that he's going to mess this up even with so much talent or is it kind of foolproof? Uh, no, I, I think it's definitely a concern because um, of how bad Todd Downing was in his first stint as an offensive coordinator. He, he undoubtedly has learned a lot. You know, he, he coached under, uh, Stefanski and Kubiak with the Vikings and under Arthur Smith, who was one of the most creative and uh, he, best play callers in, in NFL. So that's a big loss. And uh, he has some big shoes to fill. Uh, but like you said, there's a lot of talent on the, on the field, but I would be a little weary of how Todd Downing is going to um, replace that level of coaching that Arthur Smith provided. Absolutely. And the, the last player I want to break down here, and again, you can find all of these over at The Athletic uh, to find Ted's work. It's all fantastic stuff here. And that's Sam Darnold, who's largely been, to put it bluntly, a disaster since being selected uh, third overall just three years ago. Most recently, that was punctuated with 11 interceptions versus nine TDs across his 12 starts. And so now we got to think, what's gone wrong? I mean, there's the obvious Adam Gase, the lack of talent around him. He wasn't in a good situation, that's for sure. Uh, was that really it, though? Or are there some things that you saw with Darnold that just, you know, kind of contributed to his own failures as well? Yeah, no, Darnold was definitely at fault for a lot of things. You know, he uh, took a lot of chances he shouldn't have. Very, very undisciplined with his footwork sometimes. And just relying on on too much arm, uh, but yeah, he he did face a lot of adversity with the Jets as far as their protection, uh, their scheme, uh, just a, a ton of different type of you know different receivers, and not really um, having a, a guy that he could really trust and go to. Uh, so you know the Jets definitely was, was a bad environment for him, uh, but I saw a lot of talent that made him uh, a, a top pick as well when watching his film still there. So I, I have some hope that he can uh, resuscitate his career in Carolina. Um, you know, I'm not um, going to die. It's not a hill I'm going to die on, but I, I definitely think that there there's a chance that he, he can uh, resuscitate his career over there. I, I think the talent is still there. Yeah. What are some of those skills, those positives that you did see while watching him that he's going to be bringing over to Carolina with him? 
Yeah, he has great um, pocket movement. You know, he, I think he can slide in the pocket and uh, get away from pressure uh, and make just some throws that, you know, maybe only 10 quarterbacks in the league could make as far as at off-platform throws. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, when he's on, you can see uh, that, that accuracy and placement ability. It's just um, – it's on – uh, is on a very high level. It's just that, you know, he had to deal with so much pressure and um, ha- when you deal with too much pressure and having to rely on that ability too much, it, it's to a detriment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it should be at least uh, we can knock out a lot of those surrounding issue concerns over there with the Panthers, the coaching scheme of you know, Joe Brady, pretty high regarded uh, so far, much more talent to throw to a better line. Do you think he resurrects? How hopeful are you that he's going to resurrect himself and kind of have a, a rebirth over there at the Panthers? Uh, I, I would put it at 30, 70, 30 that he does 70. He doesn't. And, you know, that I think that's a realistic, uh, realistic outlook on, on if it happens. It's just that you don't see quarterbacks that has played as badly as him um, all of a sudden, you know, switch up and, and become a much better quarterback. Uh, but again, the jet situation is a unique situation. The talent's still there. Uh, it's just that we haven't seen it historically. Yeah, it was about as bad of a situation as you could ask for. So we will see. Hopefully there's hope. And most fantasy owners, he's not even getting drafted at this point, but could make sense in two QB leagues or as a late round you know, QB2 type of flyer. I, I believe in Brady. I believe in the weapons around him. So it is on Darnold. I think the excuses are going to kind of be out of there. And he showed a lot that won't help him out, but we'll see. It's worth a flyer, in my opinion, the last couple rounds. And Ted, thank you so much for coming on. That's really all the questions I have other than do you play fantasy yourself currently? Um, I, I did um, a few years ago and actually I won two fantasy leagues the last year I played and then I retired uh, (laughs) just because, uh, you know, sometimes watching fantasy, it really changes the way I watch the game. Mm. Uh, instead of rooting for a team, I'll root for a player to get a bunch of stats. Uh, yeah. But then I came back. I, I came back last year and, and did pretty decent. Um, I had Dak Prescott who was killing, oh. killing things, and then all of a sudden he got injured. But then Justin Herbert kind of saved my season. Uh, so I'm back in the fantasy game now. It, it's it's a lot of fun, and um, yeah, I can't wait to get going this year. Awesome, glad to hear you're back. Do you have any type of keeper? I always ask all the analysts we have on here if they have any type of keeper questions or. Anything of that nature they'd like a second opinion on? I don't know if you do dynasty leagues, but anything off the top of your head you want a second opinion on before we sign off? You know, I, I haven't done the dynasty league, but I'm kind of curious to give it a try uh, uh, this year. And um, I guess, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know anything about dynasty leagues at all. I just know that you keep your players. Um, so I, I guess my question is, you know, how long does do dynasty leagues go for on average? Yeah, it's all about, especially if you have good buddies, like you were talking about where you write the, the Rage blog, people you know and can trust. Like I do one with the, the people I work on the website with. I know they're going to be around. I know they're going to pay. They're going to want to play. They're going to be engaged. If you get a bad league, though, then it's just like a, a mess where like after a year, somebody's team stinks is in the garbage can and they just kind of quit on it and they don't really try or they just leave the league and don't pay. That's when you can run into issues with Dynasty. If you get a good one, it's as fun as can be. And it sounds like you do have some good buddies you might be able to join in with, but you want to make sure it's not worth it to just jump into a random one with people you don't know. You really want to be people you know, you trust, maybe the athletic staff or whoever it might be. Uh, would be my biggest recommendation if you end up taking on Dynasty for sure. 
Um, well, Ted, this was amazing. Thank you so much for giving me your time, your insight. It was wonderful to pick your brain on these players. Do you have anything? Just maybe remind our, our listeners where they can connect with you and anything else you'd like to pump and promote. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis and follow my work on The Athletic. I also ha- uh, do a podcast about the Raiders. It's called State of the Nation. You can find that on all platforms. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Ted. I hope you have a great rest of your day and, and good luck as you get back into fantasy this year. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks for having me on. Of course. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. Football right there, folks.